Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. And um, really today we're celebrating fathers. We're celebrating what it also means to be a father and the importance that that, that has. And um, you know, in, in, in life and in family life and recognizing that as a dad, you have a role in family life um, and understanding then the value of that role is really what today is about, is honoring that. The scriptures talk about being a father in terms of it being a privilege, that it is a great privilege, a great honor. Psalms 127 and verse three says, children are a heritage from the Lord, Offspring is a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So gentlemen, you are blessed. You're absolutely blessed. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. Blessed means this, happy, but it also means this, to be envied. That's literally what it means. You are to be envied. The fact that you are a dad here today and God has blessed you with uh, children in your life. Being a father is a great privilege. It is a great uh, blessing in life. And you know, sometimes we can just feel the busyness of life and responsibility and pressure to make everything work and all the things that we do for our family. But I wanna take a moment with you and just consider the uniqueness of being a dad. The uniqueness of being a dad. First of all, you are unconditionally loved by your children, fathers. You are unconditionally loved by your children just because you are their father. Even if you're a, a father who is facing your own personal struggles, you are unconditionally loved by your children. You get bragging rights over your kids. Think about it. When they go out and they get medals and ribbons for whatever it is that they do, um, they, they get that because of you, right? It's just the way it is. I mean, they might be eight years old and winning a quarter mile race and you're 40 pounds overweight, but you can still claim that that came from me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here's another uniqueness about being a dad. Being a dad means this. No one else will treat you like a bank, quite like your children will. <laughs> At least I hope so. First bank of dad. You get to watch your kids excel at things that you're not even good at, and then you still take the credit for it, okay? Here, but here's what's really most important, and that is this. There's only one person who gets to be the father, just one, and that's you. What an honor. What a blessing that is. But as true as that is, I actually discovered something this week with my youngest granddaughter, and that is as grandpa... I'm actually a really good substitute. Yeah, she comes over to me, hugs me in my leg, and called me Dada. And I'm like, this is good. This is, <laughs> this is, this is good. I told my son, I said, I, I can replace you. <laughs> you need to understand this. I, I can actually replace you. You have hero status in life with your kids. That's how they look up to you. You're the hero. You have a unique influence in their life, in the life of your children, and they will remember what you said and what you have done for them 
throughout their life. As a father, there's a legacy of you that gets passed down through your children. When they speak and when they act, some of those things they're picking up from you, even at a young age, and embracing that in their life. When you consider things like these, you can clearly see why the scriptures would tell us that it is such a blessing to be a father. And when you consider the uniqueness of being a father, the question that we want to answer is simply this. In light of who you are, what should you do? In light of who you are, what should you do? And I want to talk to you today about one thing that is central to being a father and living a life that fulfills that role and fulfills that purpose. One thing that is absolutely central to being a dad. Before I get into what exactly that is, I want to back up into Genesis in the Bible and talk about the first father, the heavenly father, and his relationship with Adam and Eve as a picture of where we're going from here. Genesis chapter one and verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, every living uh, creature that moves on the ground. So here's God who has created the world. He's built this beautiful garden for them to live in. He's provided instruction on how to live and gave them a sense of purpose and direction in life. And for all intensive reasons, you know, we could simply say, he did his part, uh, he, he's done, he doesn't need to come back, if you will. Uh, there's no further role that he actually has to have, something that he has to do for Adam and Eve. But then we read this in Genesis chapter three and verse eight. It says this, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And then, of course, it goes on to say they hid themselves from the Lord among the trees of the garden because of the shame of their sin. But I want to focus on that first part. It was like, surprise, God just showed up again. His presence came. He connects with them again. Here's God showing up in the garden, showing up, if you will, at the home of Adam and Eve, just, just to drop by, just to be there. He hasn't got some kind of mission to accomplish or any kind of expectations. He isn't there to give them more instruction. He hasn't come because they've asked for help. He's just there because he wants to be with them and to stay connected in relationship with them because he loves them and because he cares about them. And I wanna take a few moments with you today to talk to fathers about the one thing that can actually change everything in your life and in the life of your family. And if there was one focus or one thing I could say to focus on as a father, I would say this, stay connected relationally with your kids throughout their entire life. In other words, don't see this as being a season of life and then it's kind of over. No, stay connected with your kids throughout their entire life as children and as adults as well. It is all about your relationship. You know, culture can kind of push against that connection a little bit, uh, partly because we uh, celebrate independence so much that I think sometimes kids, you know, even as teenagers, they value independence, of course, and 
And then it can be kind of like, oh, when I get to be this age, I get to move out of home and have my own place and, and, and doing all of that. And that, that happens, but it, it can kind of actually push against relationship as well. And here in the culture of the West, once kids graduate and move out, there can be a sort of mentality that uh, can happen in parents where it's like, well, I, I guess we're done. We had kids, we raised kids, they moved out, we're done. You did it, you raised them, now it's complete. You endured the busyness of elementary school age with sports and recitals, et cetera. You survived the teenage years. Your house didn't burn down. The police didn't come after you. Um, you know, you got them through college or some apprenticeship and into a good job. You're done. I'll see you at Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, and Father's Day. Kind of like how some people do church. Any rate, moving on. You know, when your kids are young, your work and the responsibilities of life can really eat at your time. And, and, and the busyness of lifestyles of, and often of both parents working together is also a factor. And, you know, one of the ways it negatively impacts, rather, is just simply reducing the opportunities to be together. Just to be together as a family, everybody like in the same room communicating together. And that's probably for that reason that there's actually a charity that got started called this, Family Dinner Project. That's what it's called. You can look it up online. The Family Dinner Project. Their whole deal, their, their whole uh, you know, reason behind what they're doing is simply to say, we want to promote families getting together for dinner, everybody being around the same table as often as they possibly can during each week. Now, why is that time of connecting so important? Well, they kind of lay it out with a little bit of a, of a, a description of their mission where it says this on their website. Over the past 25 years, research has shown what parents have known for a long time. Sharing a fun family meal is good for the spirit, brain, and health of all family members. Recent studies link regular family meals with the kinds of behaviors that parents want for their children, like higher grade point average, resilience, self-esteem. Additionally, family meals are linked to lower rates of substance abuse, teen pregnancy, eating disorders, and depression. We also believe in the power of family dinners to nourish ethical thinking. Connecting, and this is what they teach, connecting with your family, everybody together, at least three meals a week or more can have a profound impact on your children, uh, yet it's not uncommon nowadays to hear about families that are struggling to just make it to one meal together during during the week, and yet they're recognizing the value of that connection and the impact that it can have is measurable in children. Connection with fathers is very important as well. Craig McLean, co-founder of Boys to Men Mentoring Group, reports that men are sometimes unwilling to connect with teenage boys because they're kind of intimidated and afraid of them. They remember what it was like when they were their age and the issues that they faced, but when they do go past their fears and intimidation, here's what they discover. 
one of the most crucial things for these young men transitioning into manhood was simply having an adult male around who enjoyed their presence, could guide them so that they could be loved for who they were, but also held them accountable for what they did. How uncomplicated and simple is that? These kids just need presence. They need connection. They need someone to be there, to care, to listen, and to speak up. The thing about the teenage years that can kind of be a, a distraction, you know, and a challenge a little bit towards uh, parents is this. Teenagers, if you have them at home or you have had them at home, you know this. They're all about their friends. I mean, they are all about their friends. Even as a family, you're like, hey, we're gonna go do this. You know, we've got some time. Let's go as a family and do this. What will your teenagers say? Can my friend come with us? I mean, it's like, our relationships aren't good enough? No, no, they're not, they're not, they're not. So they're all about their friends. And the thing that can happen is that can kind of intimidate you as a parent, or actually, I'll say it this way, can actually lie to you as a parent and can tell you a message that isn't true that says you're not as important you don't count, your voice doesn't matter, I'm not listening anymore. Oh, by the way, when they say they're not listening, they're still listening, okay? But it can say that to you because of their actions, and you can think, oh, they're just all about their teenage friends, I guess I can use my free time for other things. I wanna encourage you, even though it looks like that on the outside, don't misread that as a message to you that as a parent, you're not wanted or needed. Don't let that devalue the value of you still being present and you still being interested in their life as well. I remember one time I was spending some time with one of my sons, adult age, and we were just hanging out. We are doing whatever we were doing. And, and his phone rings and his friend's on the other end uh, saying, hey, I've got free time. What are you up to? You know, let's go to, I don't know, a movie or whatever it was he wanted to go to. And my, I could hear the conversation. And my son was like, yeah, I'm not available. Uh, I'm hanging out with my dad. And then I could hear this, this other guy on the other line be like, you're doing what? <laughs> it's like, you're hanging out with, with who? Like, you still do that? We're like, yeah, yeah, I do that. Yeah, we're, we're off doing, you know, whatever. But my point is, it just, it just kind of validates the whole issue of the fact that there can be disconnection that happens and disconnection with fathers and in families that happens. And, and for this young man, it, he just saw this as strange that you would actually be that connected that you would spend time together. You know, sadly, on more than one occasion, I've had people talk to me about siblings that don't speak with their father anymore. Offended, broken relationships. Many years ago, after a Father's Day weekend, just like this, car show, etc., a young man came to me and told me about how he'd heard the message of forgiveness and actually phoned and reconnected with his dad and hadn't spoken in seven years. Seven years with no conversation. But he learned about forgiveness and decided to stop holding things against his father and instead to reach out and restore the relationship. And I, I just think to myself, this is such a better option than just staying disconnected and remaining better. Maybe, maybe for some fathers even here, you might have a disconnect. And you could look at the situation and you could say to yourself, well, you know what? It's 80%, 90%, 95% on them because they did 
X, Y, Z. But I would encourage you to overlook that. I would encourage you just to embrace that two or 3% that you could say, I could have done better here. And even use that as an opportunity to reconnect, to apologize, to open the door for reconnection and restoration with a relationship. Stay connected. Stay connected regardless of what is happening in the life of your child. I want to give you a biblical uh, illustration uh, from from, uh, Scripture on this. Uh, It's out of the life of David. Now, most of us, when we hear the word David, the next word that comes to mind is Goliath, right? David and Goliath. That's the popular story. That's the one we all know about. Little David, big Goliath, throws a stone, wipes him out. Great. Good story. Wonderful thing to tell your kids to do. Okay. But... There's another story that I want to talk about. It's David as a parent. David as a parent. He has a daughter by the name of Tamar who gets raped by her stepbrother, Amnon. And David's son, Absalom, finds out about it. And of course, he's very angry about the whole thing. David finds out about it. David also is upset. But David doesn't do anything. He just passively does not do anything about it, takes no action, says nothing. Two years later, Absalom schemes to get this brother, Amnon, to be with him on a journey, and then he arranges to have him killed as, as his act of, um, you know, uh, on behalf of his sister, Tamar. Not knowing how David would treat Absalom, he doesn't return to Jerusalem. He stays in another town. He stays away from his dad. But eventually, at the encouragement of others, David actually sends for Absalom gets him to return to Jerusalem, back to his hometown, and and to be able to be there. But David refuses to have a personal meeting with him, encourages him to move to hometown, but won't meet with him. 2 Samuel 14, 28 says this, that Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Here's what that means. That means that this son spent two years in the same city as his father without even seeing his dad or talking to him. Finally, Absalom does get to have a face-to-face with David, and shortly after that, he actually begins to take action to overthrow David's throne. After all, he's had years of rejection, and so it just, you know, that was what he had in his heart. That's how he felt about the relationship. Imagine that, though, living in the same city and yet for years never speaking to each other. Sadly, it still happens today. Eventually, Absalom is at war with David and his men, and Absalom ends up being killed. I think to myself, what if David had been a different dad in terms of how he acted? What if David had actually taken the time to connect with Tamar, who was violated, and to actually show that he cared about the situation and would actually do something about it? The story would end very differently. What if David had reached out to Absalom when he found out that he killed Amnon and, and just, just let him know, here's how I feel about it, but, but you know, stayed in connection, stayed in relationship, didn't, didn't send a message of rejection to him. Fathers, stay connected regardless of what's going on with your children. No matter the situation, even if it's poor choices on their part creating the mess, stay connected in the mess. When kids know that their choices matter to their father, 
It helps them to be more intentional about making wise choices because ultimately there's something inside of them that wants to please dad. When dads disconnect like it doesn't matter, their children make choices like it doesn't matter. When you stay connected, you can still be a voice of wisdom into your child's life. When you stay connected, you can send a message that you care and you love them. When you stay connected, you can affirm wise choices and warn against poor ones. They, speaking of adult children, are gonna make choices obviously on their own, but the weight of your voice on the choices they're making matters. David felt angry about what happened to Tamar. David felt compassion about Absalom in that situation. But David never took any action. He never bothered to connect with his very own children. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11, it says this, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Now it's gonna describe what that looks like. Encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God. This is what David should have done. David should have been the voice that was encouraging, the voice that was comforting, and the voice that was urging godly decisions and choices with his kids. He didn't do it, but we can. And this is what we can do. People talk about things like, well, absent fathers, absent fathers. But you know what? David was a present father, but he was absent in terms of relationship. He wasn't connecting with them. We can be present, but absent. Let's not do that. Let's make sure that it's not enough just for us to be there physically, but let's make sure that we're connecting relationally with the uh, family that we have around us. Now, contrast that story to the story of Esther. Esther's parents had died, and the scriptures tell us that Mordecai, who was actually a cousin of hers, took her in and treated her as his very own daughter. Mordecai stays connected with what's happening in Esther's life as she becomes an adult, He's like a stepfather, if you will, to her. She's chosen to join the king's uh, harem, and, and at that time, Mordecai tells her, just keep your nationality a secret, uh, and so she does. She's Jewish. She's like, it's best for you just not to let them know that. She then becomes actually chosen to be the next queen, and all through this process, Mordecai is there checking in with her, having conversations, you know, they're in exile, and he's cautious about it, but he's staying connected. Then when Esther is facing one of the biggest decisions of her life, the decision to speak up to the king about Hamnon, who is a guy who was plotting for a genocide to wipe out all the Jews, she's about to speak up, she's wondering what to do, and she has a conversation with Mordecai. Esther 4.13 says this, he sent back his answer, do not think, that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai was the father voice into Esther's life who stayed connected and brought a word of encouragement, a word of affirmation, a word of direction at a critical time when she was making a decision that was gonna be you know, huge for her future. She was risking rejection. She was actually risking death just to go into the presence of the king. 
That's just the culture. That's the way it was. Critical decisions and choices get made in people's lives every day. And I want to say to the fathers who are here today, you are the voice that your children may need to hear at such a time as this. You're the voice of wisdom. You're the voice of confidence. You're the voice of soundness and logic and reason. You're the voice of warning and the voice of caution as well. What they do with what you say is obviously their responsibility as an adult, but don't doubt that your voice is still needed. Stay connected. If the connection we have with earthly fathers is so important and vital to the lives of our children, including our adult children, so is the connection that we should all have with the heavenly father. God created us for the purpose of relationship. That's his focus. That's what the gospel of Jesus is all about. Have a look at the side screens, if you will, for this video. When I was about two years old, I guess, my dad left. I reconnected with my father when I was about five years old, which is summer holidays and stuff like that. He was, a, he was an alcoholic. He drank quite a bit. But again, his influence in my life was just basically July and August through most of my life, you know, the, the occasional birthday and stuff like that. And when I was a teenager, I guess, or started out as a teenager, there was a lot of emptiness, I think, and maybe even searching for something, but not knowing what I was searching for. Uh, when I left Brooks and moved to Edmonton, um, it, was, it was a nice change, a change of pace. I actually met my ex-wife my first month in Edmonton. We were living together, I think, within six months. We were engaged by the end of the year. Uh, I think we got married a year later, and then two years after that, we had our first daughter. Five years after having our first daughter, we had our second daughter. With basically my family being my whole purpose, as things started to change, you know, kids are starting to have their own lives. My ex, my ex-wife, obviously wanted to have a life of her own, but we never, we never worked as that that kind of dynamic before. So, it brought out anxiety. It brought out, uh, again, I guess, trust issues. My dad, when he was uh, playing about having some hip pain, and then it was a few months later that uh, I got a phone call from him and he was diagnosed with uh, a tumor in his body cavity. Dad had been sick for a year or two, I believe it was. Uh, I came home on one Friday and found out that my wife wanted a divorce and it was just over at that moment. I can just remember basically shock, uh, kind of losing it really emotionally, not knowing what was going on. I felt worthless, I felt lost. The big thing was I felt lost. I just didn't know where to go. So it was just basically a lot of routine, going to work, go home, going to work, go home, sometimes sleep, sometimes no sleep. Uh, it was just basically I was on autopilot for months on end. Um, I hadn't spoken to my brother, I think, in, a, in quite a few years, I think. And he, um, I hadn't realized that he'd found God. Yeah, that's when he said, you know, I knew something was up and God told me I should give you a call. And yeah, he's just, uh, my little brother turned into my big brother. After the separation was, I talked to my dad just about every day on the phone. Bought flights and went out to BC for the day to the lower mainland to visit him and spent a day with him. And then it was a couple, two or three weeks later, but I got a call from my uncle saying that he had passed. After dad did pass, I did definitely feel guilt and shame for because of the disconnect and us wasting so much time on top of the loss or the hurt. 
So after all this stuff had happened and dad had passed, uh, my younger brother invited my youngest daughter and I to Celebration Church. Right, right away I said no, and uh, my youngest daughter was able to talk me into finally coming. After the first time, my daughter wanted to keep coming. So that was my primary drive for coming originally was just to, it didn't seem like a bad environment for my daughter and it was an opportunity to spend more time with my daughter. So we've been coming to church on and off for, I believe, two or three years. Last August, August of 2022, after Risen Camp, uh, Baptism Sunday, Pastor Joel was on stage. I can't remember if it was something he was saying or if it was something that he said or if it was actually as the baptisms even started. I can't recall. I just had this big, massive wave of emotion hit me. I didn't understand what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I just felt, I think I wanted to be baptized, but didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think just with the shame and guilt and my failed marriage and everything else, I felt that the only way I could give back to the church was possibly through serving. And so uh, after service that day, we ended up uh, signing up for next steps for the next week. So the next week, the, my youngest daughter and I attended the next steps. And it wasn't very far through the session that uh, I experienced the that same wave of emotion and that intense feeling that I felt at the Baptism Sunday, the Sunday before. So uh, out of fear of breaking down in front of my daughter and uh, everybody else that was in the room, I asked the host if uh, we could go talk in another room. I discussed with him what I was feeling, what I was experiencing. Uh, he did a salvation prayer with me and that's when I accepted Jesus Christ in my life. I just felt lighter. I felt like all the weight of the world had come off my shoulders. I felt uh, hopeful. I felt just pure relief, like I'd found something. So September 2022, I was baptized. I think the biggest thing for me was renewal. A feeling of renewal, a feeling of a, a new start from the old. So the first couple of months after baptism, I just got more involved. Uh, I started serving in the parking crew, wanted to know more, um, started joining connect groups, uh, connecting with more people than I did before. Prayer, uh, reading scripture, anything, anything to learn. I just want to learn. Uh, on emotional side, I guess I'm happier. I feel happier. Um, and there's this sense of self now where I want to start taking care of myself. After all the guilt, after all the shame, the being alone and the pain and everything, I understand that Jesus is there and uh, I'm not alone. You know, as Curtis spoke, he mentioned the fact that without Christ in his life, there was this feeling of just being alone, just an emptiness inside. The truth is that you and I were created for a relationship with an eternal God, the Heavenly Father. In fact, the scripture tells us that in everybody's life, that God has placed eternity in the heart of man. In other words, there's a place inside of us where the only thing that can fill it is a relationship with the eternal God. And so it's kind of like we're a puzzle and that piece is missing. If we don't have Jesus in our life, we're constantly searching. We're like, okay, there's gotta be something else in life to really have life feel complete and feel fulfilled. And yet, you know, as you do that and you try to pursue all those things, 
you just eventually realize nothing seems to really work. And I know speaking, you know, from my own experience that I just realized I don't think I could really come to a place where I would say I'm satisfied with life just because of what I can experience in the material world when I know there's a creator God who made this world and that I should have a relationship with that God, that he has a purpose and a meaning for all of our lives. And there's gotta be, there's gotta be something more to life than just the material things, just the friends and all, all the rest of it. And when we know something's missing, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm gonna try and fill it with something. I'm gonna fill it with my career and, and I'll just find myself super busy so I can ignore it or fill it with friends, fill it with family, fill it with hobbies, material things, you know, accomplishments, whatever it is. But at our best attempt, we still come to a place that we realize it's not working. It's just not working. The scripture tells us that we're separated from God. And that's simply because of our sin, that that's what it causes. And so we experience that sense of emptiness, that sense of longing for more to life and yet not knowing what that is. But when we discover the gospel, when we understand that though we are separated from God, it's not about us working our way back to him. It's about the, the story of Jesus who worked his way to us who came to us, who went to a cross and died and bore the sins of the world so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a new life, so that we could come into relationship with the Heavenly Father. And that separation no longer needs to stay there because Jesus dealt with it. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Only in Jesus do we have a Savior. Only in Jesus do we have, uh, you know, forgiveness of sins. And only in Jesus do we have a resurrection that offers us a brand new start in life. That's what Christ brings. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly, life to the full. In other words, we can't have life to the full if we just live it for what's in front of us in the material world. But we can have life to the full if we'll embrace what God has provided through the good news of Jesus, a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And I can honestly tell you that when you say yes to Christ in your life, when you say yes to receiving His forgiveness, yes to inviting Him into your world as the Savior and Lord that He is, that your life immediately comes to a place where you realize, I've arrived. I don't have to have something, there's not something missing, there's not something I need to achieve in order to have a sense of fulfillment in life, I've already arrived. Because fulfillment is not a thing, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus bought for you and I. I wanna invite us to stand as we close our service and take a moment of prayer. And I wanna read, one verse of scripture to you because you know, you're here today and you're hearing me talk about a relationship with the Heavenly Father and being forgiven, getting a brand new start, coming out of a place of aloneness and all the rest of it, just as Curtis shared. You can think, well, how do I do that? What, what do I need to do? First of all, I'll say this. God's already done everything he needed to do for you. He's already prepared the way. He's already paid for your sins. He's already provided for you. He's already reached out. But now it's about our response back to him. 
And basically what the scripture tells us is this, is that we're to respond by acknowledging that Jesus is who he says he is. He did what the scripture says he did. And that we reach out in faith asking for what he's provided, for his forgiveness, for a new start in life. And that prayer is a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that God will hear. It's a prayer that God will answer. And it's a prayer that opens the door to a brand new beginning in life, just as you heard uh, Curtis talk about. I wanna invite us to bow our heads as we take that moment and pray. The scripture says this, if you'll declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God, raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's with the heart that you believe and are justified, and with the mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Our prayer is the profession of faith that it says right here to do in Romans. Would you bow with me as we take in this prayer time? There are plenty of believers who are in the church here today that they're gonna pray along with you. You don't have to feel alone or feel like, oh, if I pray this prayer, I'm kinda like everybody else is gonna hear, I feel centered up. No, no, we're all gonna pray along with you. But here's what I want you to know. If you're praying this with us in the sincerity of your heart and you're ready to say yes to God and follow Jesus, God hears this prayer and he's gonna answer it for you. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I confess that you are Lord, that you are the Savior. I ask you to forgive my past and I welcome you into my life as my Lord, as my Savior, and I'll follow you with all of my heart from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.